This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore shares started the week flat amid weaker export data. The Straits Times index inched down at the open and closed in the red, down 0.5% to 3,263 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares tracked a more subdued performance across the US and Europe as investors anticipated the Federal Reserve's next rate hike decision. The STI inched up 0.03% at the open, but ended the day down 0.7% at 3,241 points. At the midweek, Singapore shares were somewhat steady at the open. The STI edged up 0.04% and closed little changed at 3,242 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares dipped, tracking overnight losses on Wall Street. The STI fell 0.4% at the open and closed in the red, down 1.2% to 3,203 points after signalling by the US Federal Reserve of an incoming additional hike at the end of this year dampened sentiment. It's Friday, September 22nd. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares opened weaker after overnight losses on Wall Street and Europe. The STI fell 0.6% to 3,182.7 points. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, with her overview of the trading week. The Straits Times Index ended Thursday's trading session at 3,203 points, declining 2.4% in the week to date. Asia-Pacific markets were generally in the red in the week so far, with FTSE APEC Index declining close to 3% after the US Fed's hawkish stance. The Fed held interest rates steady on Wednesday but stiffened its hawkish stance with another rate increase projected by the end of the year and monetary policy kept significantly tighter through 2024 than previously expected. Looking back in the Singapore market, top up performers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million was Singpost, gaining 6.1% after it announced that it is introducing a significant increase in rates for the first time in almost a decade. This is followed by DFI Retail Group and Yangtzejiang Shipbuilding, which gained 4.6% and 3.6% respectively. On the other hand, top decliners for the week were NIO, Nanofilm Technologies International and Chromia European REIT, averaging 11% declines. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 20th September, we observed net institutional fund outflows of $148 million. By sector, the highest net outflows over the last five sessions were seen across industrials at $60 million, financial services at $55 million, and consumer non-cyclicals at $21 million. On the other hand, inflows were seen across telcos at $18 million and utilities at $5 million, followed by energy at $2 million. On a stock level, outflows were driven by DBS at $36 million, Capocorp at $20 million and Tybev at $19 million, while the largest inflows were recorded in SGX at $23 million, Singtel at $17 million and Digital Core REIT at $11 million. For stocks above a market cap of $500 million, the SREIT sector saw the largest growth in trading volume. On average, SREIT's volume this week increased 24% as compared to their three months' averages. In particular, OUE Commercial REIT saw trading volume up close to 180% as compared to its three-month average. This is followed by Digital Core REIT and Star Hill Global REIT, which saw their volumes up by 175% and 130% respectively. For the earlier part of the week, OCBC, Olam, Starhub, Best World International and Food Empire Holdings led the share buyback consideration tally. 
OCBC bought back 900,000 shares at an average price of $12.72 per share and Olam bought back 1.2 million shares at an average price of $1.07 per share. Tepek Gig joins us with her wrap of the week's highlights. Singapore's benchmark The Straits Times Index has been declining this week, save for Wednesday when it was little changed. Elsewhere in the region, markets were mostly a sea of red. Investors were awaiting cautiously at the beginning of the week the United States Central Bank's policy decision on Thursday, Singapore time, although the market has priced in no change in the policy rates. With Wall Street closing in the red last Friday, most Asia-Pacific markets took the cue on the first trading day of the week and finished lower. In the backdrop were the potential of a United States government shutdown, which could dent confidence, and a strike involving three Detroit automakers as the workers demand job security and better wages. The Federal Reserve's hockey stance tamed markets in the Asia-Pacific on Thursday, with key bosses from South Korea to Australia swimming in a sea of red hours after the United States Central Bank's policy rate decision. The Fed left its policy rate range unchanged at 5.25% to 5.5%, the highest in 22 years. But the signalling by the US Central Bank of an incoming additional hike at the end of this year, along with the possibility that further rate increases have not been taken off the table, caused a dampening in market sentiments as rates will stay elevated. Hawkish Fed implies markets are likely to stay volatile into year-end, some analysts say. The STI dipped 2.4% as at Thursday compared to Friday close. Meanwhile, crude oil prices have been on the rise as the International Energy Agency has already warned that recent oil supply cuts by Saudi Arabia and Russia will create a significant supply shortfall. The benchmark Brent crude traded at just above $95 a barrel on Tuesday, its highest since last November. The ascent was stopped by the Federal Reserve's hawkish hole on Thursday. And the skyrocketing Certificate of Entitlement premiums broke records, with those for the larger and more powerful cars as well as for the open category breaching $140,000. The large car COE premium was $140,889, and that for the open category set an all-time high at $144,640. Singapore reports August inflation next Monday, while China publishes Purchasing Managers Indexes for Manufacturing and Services next Friday. Still to come, economic data and highlighted stocks of the week. In the latest episode of Lens on Singapore, podcast editor Claressa Montero sits down with Minister K. Shanmugam, Minister for Home Affairs and Minister for Law to discuss regional security, counterterrorism, and social issues. How will these impact Singapore's future economic success? And what is it that we do in Singapore that they cannot do faster, cheaper, and as well, if not better? Confronting Challenge with K. Shanmugam, the latest episode of Lens on Singapore out on September 18th. Listen on BT Digital or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, could you highlight the most notable news for the week, please? Singapore's non-oil domestic exports dropped 20.1% in August, dragged down by electronics shipments. This extended the previous month's 20.3% decline and exceeded the median 17.1% drop estimated by Bloomberg analysts. 
both electronics and non-electronics exports continued to decline on a year-on-year basis. Nordex to the top markets as a whole declined in August except for Indonesia. The largest contributors to the decline in Nordex were the US, down 32%, the EU, down 29%, and China, down 16%. Singapore's international visitor arrivals dipped slightly to 1.31 million in August, compared to 1.42 million in July, as inbound travel tapered off due to seasonal tourism demand. Analysts noted that the fall in visitor arrivals was due to seasonality, and that these travel patterns were consistent even before the pandemic where visitor arrivals tend to peak in July for the year. In August, China maintained as a top source of visitors to Singapore, though the actual number of visitors was slightly less than the previous month. This was followed by Indonesia, Malaysia, India and Australia. The Monetary Authority of Singapore announced higher capital requirements on too-big-to-fail insurers. For the next year, four insurers in Singapore, AIA Singapore, Income Insurance, Prudential and Great Eastern will face a 25% capital add-on to increase their higher and lower supervisory intervention levels, as well as common equity Tier 1 and Tier 1 capital requirements. The central bank has also been engaging this fall on recovery planning, which will bolster an insurer's ability to restore its financial strength and viability in a period of distress. Candice, and we are on to our Q&A again. We say a stock, you give us the latest you have on it. Sure, I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's start with Singtel. What do you have? Singtel is selling a 20% stake in its Southeast Asia data center business to global investment firm KKR for $1.1 billion. On Monday, Singtel said the move would give them access to a wider network of global customers. It's also hoping to tap into KKR's network of companies that develop new data center cooling technologies. This move would put the enterprise value of Singtel's regional data center business at $5.5 billion. Piggate, what's your pick this week? Let's do Capital Land Investment. Capital Land Investment announced that its regional private fund acquired a logistics property in South Korea for $112 million. This brings the number of South Korean assets under its portfolio to 13, comprising five logistics assets, four office assets, and four data centers under development. Capitaland expects logistics supply to moderate significantly in the medium term, given rising construction costs, project financing challenges, and tighter development restrictions. It sees potential in this asset given its prime location in an up-and-coming sub-market that has attracted major logistics companies to set up base and several global investment firms to invest in logistics assets. All right, Candice, do you have something new for NIO? Sure. NIO announced earlier this week that it has raised 1 billion USD in a two-tranche convertible bond, saying it intends to use the proceeds to pay down debt and strengthen its balance sheet. The company raised one tranche of $500 million at 3.875% per annum for notes due in 2029 and another $500 million at a rate of 4.625% due 2030. Interest will be payable every half year in arrears. The company expects to close the notes offering and the repurchase transactions on 22nd September. Singapore-listed shares of the Chinese EV maker fell by more than 10% on Wednesday shortly after the announcement. Piggate, do you have one for us? Yes. How about Wilmar International? Between September 19 and 20th, Wilmar International Chairman and CEO Kwok Kun Hong increased his deemed interest in the business from 13.42% to 13.43%. 
Mr. Kwok has served as the chairman of Wilma International, which is Asia's leading agribusiness group, since July 2006. He has gradually increased his total interest from 12.2% in May 2017. Of Wilma's four reportable operating segments, the feed and industrial products currently contributes more than half the total revenue. A traditional favourite, Singapore Post. Singapore Post is introducing a significant hike in its rates for the first time in nearly 10 years. Starting October 9th, the standard regular mail rates will jump by 65% from 31 Singapore cents to 51 cents. The National Postal Service provider cited rapidly rising costs and declining mail volumes for its decision. Singapore said that mail volumes have fallen by more than 40%. The previous increment was in 2014 when it raised from 22 cents to 30 cents. Pick gig, another one from you? Sure, what about LHN Group? LHN Group reported its third quarter updates last week, reporting occupancy rates of 85% to 100% for three of its co-living locations in Singapore as at early September. It also noted that such strong occupancy rates and steady growth are expected to carry on throughout the rest of the year. Its average rental rates across the country's co-living business also ranged from $2,200 to $3,500 during the third quarter. It also noted that its construction of co-living spaces in Pasir Panjang and Arab Street are on track to be operational by the second quarter of its 2024 financial year. Okay, one last one. New Silk Roots Group. New Silk Roots Group has proposed investing in a Chinese company in the business of coal and cargo for 11 million yuan. Following the completion, the group will be the sole shareholder of Tianjin Zhoushun. The group said that the deal will allow it to acquire assets, such as the Hechu Operation Railway Dispatching Station, thus presenting an investment opportunity in China's transportation industry. The group also said that the proposed acquisition will allow the company to turn around its loss-making position and allow for market cap growth of the company. This has been Market Focus from The Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Thanks to Candice Lee, Market Analyst at SGX Securities, and Taepik Gig from the Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.